welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, um, not quite, it must have been July, uh, probably when we were on holiday, um, Adrian spoke uh, one Sunday morning, and it was a great talk, and he shared very personally uh, about some of the things that uh, had happened to him, and, um, but I just want to pick up on a couple of those and, and totally correct, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have nothing to correct. <laughs> but no, I want to pick up on a couple of those because I thought he brought the point across really well. Uh, as part of what he was talking about, he, was, uh, he, he shared of, uh, in his own leadership journey, of Denise's leadership journey and his son-in-law's Brian's uh, leadership journey of times when the journey didn't just seem to go forwards. They stepped back and gave up things, uh, and then later you see what God is doing. Uh, eventually, it led to you not being a vicar, but part of us at Kingdom Faith, so we're very pleased about that. But if you want to be the Reverend Adrian Moore, we will call you that, but only on Mondays, at lunchtime, for five minutes, <laughs> if there's an E in the month. <laughs> oh, Hallelujah. And then, of course, her story with the children and, and everything. And I had a similar experience myself when um, we, uh, Kate and I, well, we both had the similar experience, I suppose, when we went down to Roffey Bible College. At that point in time, uh, we were leading a church that we'd planted. It had grown to about 100 people in a village, which is fairly unusual, as you imagine. Uh, and I was also a head teacher. I hadn't stopped working full-time. Um, and uh, Kate was a PA, and she was a church leader with me, and, when we, and we gave that up to go to Roffey, so it kind of seems like a, a backward step. I mean, we ended up meeting people like Pete and Sally, but it wasn't a backward step, honest, because they are lovely. But what happened was God showed us, this is what's happening next. This is what you're doing next. In fact, we were very clear, we had to say to the church, because most of them thought we would come back, and we didn't want the new leader, having that hanging over all year. So we were quite clear, we're not going to come back. God has told us not to come back. And when we got to Rafi, it went even further than we thought because we were told to lay all that down completely and utterly. And uh, by Pastor Colin and Pastor Michael Barling, Pastor Colin Urquhart, and, and Les Mitchell, who also was kind of responsible for the relating churches at that time, and he said to me, and you're not to go back for visits either. And that was really tough. Uh, but there was a wisdom in what God did because, uh, and what Le- uh, Les said, because it was setting us up and training us and equipping us for what was next, which the first step of was, was leading the Sunday school. So, and J247 came into being and Go Generation and all those things. And I want to put that in context because as I shared with you this morning, um, Shona, I'm doing this for her, but she's going to take a step back over this next year. So she's doing her, completing her degree course. The third year of that full-time course is extremely demanding. Uh, my course that I just finished was part-time. And uh, so she's uh, going to really enable, her by giving up those two roles, those two crowns, if you like, and taking a step back, not a step down, but a step back from her leadership roles, 
Uh, it's going to give her time to really focus on that. But also within that, this very important thing, which is why I told those other little stories, of hearing what God is saying to her. Because it's obviously a watershed year. It's a year in which things are changing. Uh, and he hasn't had her do this course just on a whim, you know. It's part of her ongoing training and equipping and, and moving forward in her own role. Um, I need to stress, she's not disappearing or anything like that. She's going to be very thoroughly involved. And in fact, she will still be leading things. She's still, you know, leading things like Discover and Freedom in Christ. It's just to take some of the weight off, uh, which you may not appreciate of what it's like when you have your part of a senior leadership team. It's something that's put on you. Uh, sometimes it, some of it's right. Sometimes some of it's not right. But uh, it's just to release her from that. And also just to give her time They've got a new grandchild on the way, of course. So, you know, it gives her time to focus on, uh, on the family and stuff like that as well. So pray for her. Talk to her. <laughs> Ask her what God has said. Because this is going to be a real hear God year, I think, uh, as she launches into, into the new. Uh, shall we pray now? Amen. I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> Father, we pray for Shona. We thank you, Lord. She's been part of the leadership of this church for 11 years. At least that's what LinkedIn says. But it's true. She came down from Scotland, Lord, because you called her and she uh, raised her hand and stepped forward and said, yes, I will do that. And Father, we honor her for her continuous faithfulness. We honor her for the way she leads by an example of being such a servant. It's difficult to find a team that she's not part of, equipping and motivating uh, there around her. And Father, we thank you for the, the, the way she's led as prayer director, the way she's been a senior leader, the, 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 the responsibilities of senior leadership that she's taken on, upon her that most people don't even know about, those things that are going on in other people's lives where it, it's kept quiet and private and we're just praying and interceding for them. Father, we thank you for her wisdom. We thank you for her ability to have great insight, that, that ability to reflect and see this is what's going on here. And Father, we pray that you just take hold of that gift and cause it to grow and, and develop. And Father, we pray that this will be a, uh, one of the best years of her life so far because she just encounters you completely afresh in this experience of finishing her degree, listening to you, and being part of this beautiful church family that you've brought together. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're not appointing another senior leader or another prayer director uh, because that's not the right thing to do. That is done. Um, I'll let you talk about first encounter and days of favour in a short while. But so that you're not sitting there wondering if I've forgotten, <laughs> I'm telling you now. <laughs> I think it'll fit very well at the, uh, at the end. Um, I don't know about you, but it's been a really good August. Yeah. I think the August camp had a lot to do with it. It's that time of togetherness and being family. That, that was brilliant. But it's not just that. Um, Sally preached, and there was something special in the way she preached, and we were all family together. Um, various other, you know, Sundays. There was something different about them. They, we, we always have had a sort of a family service, I suppose, in summer. But for me, this summer, it felt like we were together. As I was saying earlier, there's still a road to take, there's still journeys to take. But as we have sort of family services in the future, 
you know, we, we don't want to go backwards and have to try and recapture stuff. Let's move forward. But also, what I was saying earlier, we want to move forward every Sunday. And we'll, we'll concentrate a lot more on being aware that we're our whole church in that first 15 minutes that we have. Um, that's our, that's, our, that's uh, our desire and that's our heart, anyway, to do that. We're also going to uh, try and give more support um, initially to J247 so that they can worship up there. It means noise down here, but, you know, who cares? If it's the children enjoying God, we don't mind, do we? Uh, Alex, uh, well, it's all being talked about but at the moment, but Alex, for example, is going to try and take... Uh, a regular Sunday, so that he's up there with them. Uh, again, just reinforcing, that's one of the reasons I asked him, would he lead the children and, uh, and youth at, while we are away at August? It's, it's so that they can see, you know, it's, you're really important to us. Here's our worship director who's with you. You know, uh, and I don't think they're going to think like that logically through their head, but still something goes in. They just see, oh, we are important. And... Um, and when we've had, like, like, so last Sunday, of course, we had the children giving out communion. That wasn't to be cute. <laughs> it was a very powerful message that we are in one body. We are together, whatever our age. I mean, it needs to be believers that are giving it out. You need to know as far as you can know that that's what they are and what, who they are. But uh, I think all our children, actually, and all our youth, it was an amazing time last Sunday. Just the, wasn't, it, wasn't it so, what's the right word? Reverent, holy, but that communion was special, wasn't it? The children coming forward. and uh, Well, everybody coming forward. People coming forward as families. I think sometimes we forget. The, the, the problem you have, uh, I say to you as a leader, is you want to emphasize family, but then every time you emphasize sort of carers and children together, you feel like you're leaving out everybody that's not got their family around them. But we, we must emphasize the family, but we must emphasize those, because there are people called to remain single. You know, that's often the church forgets that. Everybody's got to have a, a spouse. No, not everybody's going to have a spouse. There are some called to be single, and actually, it's a wonderful thing, because you have the freedom just to respond to God, which you don't have if you have a, a family, uh, to be able to do that immediately. But... Also, it's just the importance that we are family. Amen. You know, there is a, we, uh, and it's, it's kind of against the world in a way, and there's got to be safeguarding things, but it's a valuable thing for our children to have adults around them that they can talk to. Yeah. Yeah, we always use wisdom, of course we do. But, um, and it helps if you're an older person. That you, the, I remember my mum, my who's part of Kingdom Faith in Horsham, one saying on more than one occasion, the thing she loves about being part of that church is she's got a lot of friends that are not her age. Because otherwise the tendency is, if you're in your, in your 80s like my mum is, is your friends are all old people. And she still amuses me because she goes and plays badminton and she, she says um, that sometimes she plays with the old people. <laughs> it's never actually occurred to her that she's one of them. And I think that's a very good mindset to keep. Plus, she plays that badminton ferociously still. So uh, it's keeping her fit. <laughs> oh. But yeah, August, I think, has been a special time. And it's one of the, uh, well, the theme I was speaking from really was just Jesus is good <laughs> and he's love and kind. 
and, 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 and hopefully giving us all an opportunity and to continue to do so, just to fall in love with Jesus again. You know, I know there's responsibility, there's mentoring, there's discipleship, there's do, you know, but actually, it's just, he's good to be around. <laughs> he's good to hang out with. He's good to talk to. There's no one else that understands us in the way he does and totally and completely accepts us. You know, as a family, we want to be loving and kind and generous and totally accepting. But we're always going to trip up and make mistakes on that. We, we, and that's why the Bible says, bear with one another and forgive one another. But Jesus, you'll never have to, he'll never have to apologize to you. He will never have done something wrong. You can feel like it when you're annoyed with him, doesn't it? I remember one of my angry moments with God was, it's not fair, why am I always the one who's wrong? <laughs> Can't you just be wrong once? <laughs> nope. <laughs> what would you do now if Jesus walked in? Glory, hallelujah. Praise him. It's an interesting thought. Imagine those doors opened and Jesus walked in. He reveals perhaps how we really feel about him if, you, if it manages to catch you unawares. This can be quite... I mean, the disciples were in this position after the, after the crucifixion, weren't they? They were locked up in an upper room. All the doors are shut. They're in fear and shame. Shame because they've deserted Jesus. Fear because um, they're afraid that they're going to also be caught by the soldiers and perhaps put to death. And Jesus suddenly appears in the room. I'm not sure. I would love to say. It says they were overjoyed. I'd love to be in that group. I, I think I might have gone, ah! <laughs> you know, he's supposed to be dead, after all. <laughs> and there he is, suddenly in the room. And, and we know, as the story went on, actually, there was shame there, because Peter, uh, Jesus then addresses it later with Peter, that he's still carrying the shame of denying him to the servant girl. And, of course, the first thing he says when he enters the room is, Peace! In other words, fear, get out, let's have peace in this room. It's the first thing he says. And then he says, they're all overjoyed, and then he says, peace again. So I'm not quite sure they're fully just overjoyed. There's lots of other things going on in there. And when Jesus walks in the room, he reminds them that it's not just him, it's the Father and the Holy Spirit as well, because it says that Jesus, he's very physically there in front of them, says to them, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Receive my spirit. And he breathes on them. So when Jesus does walk in, it's the whole gang are there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because God enters the house and God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Of course, God is here. He's in Joanne. He's in Helen. He's in Lizzie. He's in everyone that knows him. And he's also here by his spirit present in the room. The father's here just looking over his children. He is here. But when he walks in, he brings peace. And this peace is not just the way we might use peace, absence of conflict or a nice feeling. This is shalom. 
the Jewish word, which is, it, it's, it's a very complete peace. It brings healing as well, and it stills the mind. It, 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 it's health to your bones and body. It, this is a completeness, this peace. And after that occasion, uh, it later then appears to them at the Lake Galilee, and it, it's almost what Brian was saying earlier, but from a different part of the, the story. And they can't really see who he is. He's on the shore, and he shouts out to them, Have you caught any fish? And Jesus being Jesus... He's probably got a bit of a smirk on his face. Is he allowed to have a smirk? Because, of course, he knows they haven't. No, it just says they answered. There doesn't seem to be a lot of explanation around anything else. Just no. Doesn't sound ultimately friendly. I think they probably said it a little bit irritatedly. Who's this bloke on the shore? We've been out all night. We've caught absolutely nothing. And we come up here to get a bit of peace, to get away from being these disciples of Jesus who's risen. We're just, we're escaping. No. He says, well, why don't you put your nets down on the other side of the boat, on the right side, and try that out? And so they did it. I don't know whether any began to click, because I think he said that before once. But, you know, we human beings, we're not often that smart. We don't spot these clever connections, except when we read the gospel and we've had it preached to us 32 and a half times. Anyway, they throw the net out, and of course, you know the story. It's absolutely full of fish. I mean, it's packed. It's a, it's a catch like they've, they've never had by the sound of the story. Uh, and they're dragging this in, into the boat, and they come on the shore, and they realize it's Jesus again. And uh, he takes the fish and even cooks them some breakfast. I mean, this just happens to be the Lord God, holy of holies, creator of the universe, whom all the angels bow down, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he's cooking them breakfast. <laughs> Isn't that a great picture? This is this Jesus who's good and kind. He'll cook you breakfast. He might be high and mighty, but he's not high and mighty. And he cooks them their breakfast. I mean, I don't know. What were they thinking still? Because they could have just thought, Jesus is confirming we're fishing businessmen. Because this is what we've always done. And now we're fishing and Jesus has turned up. And suddenly we've caught the best catch of fish ever. And now we're eating a couple of them. This is confirmation we are called to be fishing businessmen. It could be, couldn't it? You see, you can't even take that you are prosperous or successful or rich or something's really working well and Jesus is really blessing it. You can't even take that as a sign, this is definitely what I'm called to do. You've got to hear the Father like Jesus did. You've got to know. I mean, Jesus came and when he was 12 years old, he's astounding them in the temple with his understanding and he says, uh, and when his parents can't find him and they finally come back and they said, what are you doing here? And he said, did you not know I'd be in my father's house? He obviously understood quite a lot at 12. And he was obviously good at the old sharing from scriptures at 12 because all the, the scribes and the Pharisees or, or teachers, the people of the law that are listening to him are astounded by this 12-year-old. And he could have just thought, I'm brilliant at this. This is my time. I wait to the bar mitzvah, and then after that, I'm off preaching the gospel. But oddly, to a human way of thinking, 
we don't really hear anything else that he did for the next 18 years. Because he was waiting for the moment when the father said, now. Now's the time. I mean, it's, it's odd, isn't it, that really he only spent three and a half years in ministry. Most human beings, if you're going to have an absolutely anointed special person around, you wanna, you'd want to maximize that, wouldn't you? You'd strategize and have a really good plan in place. I mean, what did Jesus, when he started his ministry, what did his five-year plan look like? It gets unfortunately cut short, doesn't it? We like to strategize way ahead, and I'm not saying all planning is bad. I'm not at all. But what I am saying is we need to know what the Father is saying. And I don't think all of us are just called to three years of ministry in our entire lives either, because that's not what he explained his disciples were going to do either. But there, are, there is a flow to what we do, and it flows and ebbs and changes. And just because we're a successful preacher doesn't mean that I carry on preaching. Just because we're a successful business person doesn't mean I carry on an successful business. It's always, what's next, Father? What do we do next? How are we going to lead this? And we can have our five-year plans, and hopefully we're doing that by listening to God. But I tell you what, the number I've had of plans like that that God's cut across... He just loves to remind us, actually, I'm in charge. I have an eternity plan. But, of course, Jesus just confirms to them, and he spends time with Peter, with these disciples, that they are actually going to be making disciples. They're going to be fishing for humanity, if you like, fishing for men. He's already commissioned them just a little bit earlier with that, go, receive my spirit, make disciples. And I just want to finish with another story. Uh, I went, we looked at it a little bit in August, but God took me back there this morning and I thought, oh, okay, let's go back. But it fits in with this, really, and it fits in with what happens when Jesus walks in the room. When Jesus walked in the room with the disciples, there was peace, there was healing, there was blessing, there was freedom, there was forgiveness. That's what they got from him. When Jesus turned up on the beach, it was the same thing. It was peace, it was prosperity, it was blessing in what they were doing, even though at that moment what they were doing was nothing to do with the call of God on their lives. It would have been a very wealthy catch of fish which they could have sold and was probably part of what enabled them to leave their families to do the ministry. God's very practical. But the story is the woman. You know the one that was healed by touching Jesus? I love this story. And I just want to take a a few little bits about it because I think it really relates to what happens when Jesus walks in. Because for this woman, Jesus has just walked into her life, into her village, into her, where she lives. What is her response? Uh, and it, it says that at this situ- in, this, in this sort of picture of what's going on, that there's this large crowd following, and they were pushing and shoving from all sides out of a desire to be near Jesus. So this isn't an apathetic crowd. This is a crowd that want to be near Jesus. And yet the Gospel chooses to highlight this one 
lady in her response to Jesus. You know, when we're gathered, how much are you pushing and shoving in the spirit to be near Jesus? Or are you just letting everybody else do that? That's a really good question to think about. Do I try to get near Jesus, or do I just let everybody else do that and expect God to come to me? I mean, God is amazingly gracious. He cooks breakfast on the beach, so you'll still get blessed. But there's something extra, there's something different about this lady. Among the crowd was a woman who had been suffering from bleeding for 12 years. We know this story, many of us. Some of you might not have heard this story before. But she'd been spending money on doctors to try and alleviate her suffering, but to no avail. The problem had only become worse. Now, for her, the real big issue was we've got to try and enter a little bit into the culture of that time and the way people understood things in the group she was in, or we could miss an important part of the story. Because now we would not think like this about this issue. And the fact that she is bleeding in her culture has made her unclean. She's not allowed to be around other people because if she touches other people like this, she's going to transfer the uncleanness. She's unacceptable in a group. She's unacceptable to God. If she can get the bleeding stopped, she'll be clean again if she goes and performs the cleansing ritual after that. Then she can be welcomed back. But until then, she's got to stay separate because she can't, they don't want her polluting others. It's, now looking back, it's a cruel and unkind mindset to think about, but we've just got to accept that's as it was. And it wasn't that everybody was cruel and unkind. That's how they understood it. We can be certain that in years to come, if Jesus hasn't come back, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, they'll look back on our time and think, how were they so cruel and unkind? Because every generation does it to previous ones. But there is this going on. And so if she's in this large crowd where there's pushing and shoving, if she gets found out... Well, she could be stoned at the worst case, but it's certainly not going to go well for her. So, what does she do as she's going through this crowd, literally risking her life to touch Jesus, knowing that she's not supposed to be in God's presence, that she's not supposed to be in a rabbi's presence, yet she's going forward. Anyway, it says, having heard about Jesus, she pushed her way through the crowd. So don't think that she's managed to sneak through without touching anybody. She come, came up behind him and touched his clothing because she thought, I will touch his, to touch his clothes will be enough and I will be healed. And soon enough, sure enough, as soon as she touched him, the bleeding stopped and she knew that her body was healed and her suffering was ended. Although remember, until the ritual... As far as the thinking around would have been, she was actually still unclean. Which is why she's frightened when Jesus tries to say, who's touching me? And the disciples are like, what are you on about? There's so many people here, they're all touching you. And he says, no, somebody touched me, and the power went out because they touched me with faith. 
And the little thought that I want to leave with you in this whole thing of what when Jesus comes into the room, all hooks onto this word really, touch. It's hapto in Greek. But more importantly than the Greek word, it's to understand what it means. Because touch is a very limited translation of this word. Because it means to fasten onto. It means to really get hold of. She wasn't... Can I borrow you to be Jesus again? She wasn't... No, you can, you can stay seated. She's, it, she wasn't, you know, pushing and shoving her way through and going... She was going to get hold of probably one of his tassels on his garment, and she was going to hold on to it to get what she needed. Wow. When we meet together, Jesus comes into the room. I know he's with us at all times, but there's a very real uh, presence of God that's with us when we gather. That's one of the reasons we gather, to worship God together. And you can see there's different ways we can be. We can be just sitting back, letting everybody else do it. And sometimes, you know, there are just a place where you, there's nothing in you at that moment, and you just need to, you, you're just going to sit there and let everybody carry you. And there is a rightness and a time when that can happen. You, you, just, you just not got anything. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the time when you just don't really want to. Or the time when you know, actually, I need to push and shove. But you could, towards Jesus, not the other people around you, you understand. That could be a very unusual worship service. Everybody pushing and shoving to be at the front. Could be interesting, though. <laughs> Get off the front row, Claire. <laughs> Somebody else wants to be there. <laughs> she fastens on to Jesus. It's a very, very deliberate thing. So we could, as a gathering, we can all be, you know, really, there's the next level from just not taking part fully is to really be taking part, that pushing and shoving. But there's one more. Will you be this bleeding woman? And will you grab hold of Jesus? Will you fasten on to him? So then by faith, there is power being released into you and your family. Do you see the difference? Jesus knew the difference. Somebody had grabbed hold of, fastened on. I mean, it's used in another way. It wasn't being used in this way, but the word is it's interesting that another meaning of why the word is used, and it, it, and it fits. I don't think it's how it was being used at the time, but it fits. You can use the same word um, to set a fire. You know, and it's, it's when you kindle it, it's when you start that little flame and then... Woof. But then actually, that not that a great picture? It's like a touch paper. Power. And God is saying, your, your, your faith is like a touch paper. You, 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 the touch paper is not very effective on its own, is it? That you're going to use to light this explosive foul, foul bomb, really, with a touch paper, I guess. But then God is... Dunamis, power. But you took the touch paper to the fire and boom, it's a light. But faith, when you worship, 
when we're gathering around Jesus, when we're trying to get near him, then faith says, and I'm taking hold of Jesus. For me, my family, my church, my generation, my town, my, my country, I'm going to fasten on because <coughs> my faith is a touch paper and then he is the power. He is the fire that goes, it's not about me. All I need is that little touch paper of faith, but I am going to use it. I am going to take hold of it. I'm not going to always think, God just does everything and I do nothing. We do do stuff. Grace doesn't mean we do nothing. Grace says that when we act in faith, God then does everything. The grace and favor is the outpouring of God's response to your faith. I mean, God by grace can do anything he wants. That's what grace is. But the outpouring of grace and favor comes with a touch paper. It comes when you grasp hold of it. Like this woman, she's just healed. There's lots of others that will be sick in that crowd. There'll be lots of others with things that are wrong, that need answers to prayer. But at this point, the only person who is healed and restored and made clean by God, not some ritual, is this lady because she reaches out and touches Jesus. And later in the Gospels, you find suddenly everybody's trying to touch Jesus because she's, she's lead, led to this let's touch Jesus revival. <laughs> Humans are good at those kind of things. Someone met with God by doing that. We're all do it. And if we don't do it, we're not probably born again. No, it's not that at all. It's the faith. It's the faith that takes hold of. Why, you know, with people falling over, you, if you make yourself fall over, that doesn't make God happen. The the falling over comes from the power of God hitting people. I mean, the annoying thing is, I always found, when you're there, is then you're thinking, right, I'm not going to fall over, and then you find yourself resisting what God's trying to, I'm not going to fall over, I'm not going to fall over again. It's boring, I fall over every time. Some of those times have been when I've been knocked backwards and knocked chairs flying. We won't go into those stories today. You were present at some of them. (laughs) Because there was faith, a touching, it says that Jesus would not be deterred. He will not be deterred if you're reaching him with faith. If you want to fasten on and hold on to faith, he will not be deterred from getting that answer to you that you're seeking, whatever it is. He kept looking around to see who had touched him. I love this story because what you get in this picture is you see how Jesus is fully human. He doesn't know. He's not playing the game. That would be quite cruel, wouldn't it? He does not know. All he knew was what God the Father was revealing to him. He doesn't know everything in his human form, although he's also fully God. He's chosen to be the servant. He's chosen to operate out of humanity. And here, I mean, this is why you can take such encouragement when Jesus says, you'll do greater things than me and the things I've been doing, you'll do. It's because he was doing them as a human being. He's not Superman. He doesn't wear his underpants on the outside of his cloak. I, you know what I mean. And they're not red. You're all wondering how I know the colour of Jesus' underpants, but I'm pretty sure they weren't red. <laughs> and he says he wasn't angry or upset. Far from it. She was afraid he was going to be displeased because she was still 
in her own understanding, but certainly the understanding of the crowd around her, she was still unclean and she'd made the rabbi unclean and destroyed all the ministry that could possibly happen that day. So happens that not soon later, she's, uh, he, sorry, he's raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, so it doesn't seem to have affected him. It's because you can't get unclean by unclean touching you. Because in God, through Jesus, everyone is acceptable. The uncleanliness is washed aside by what Jesus did for us. My daughter, he says, this Jesus who is far from angry or upset, you are healed because you showed faith. You can go in peace because when Jesus walks in, he walks in with peace, which is not an absence of conflict only, but it is complete healing. It's a peace in your mind and a peace in your body and a peace in your family. And when you pray peace over yourself, or shalom, I prefer to pray shalom because it's a more powerful word, so it helps me. You're not praying just to feel good. You're praying for there to be peace. When you pray peace for Scarborough, you're praying for people to be reconciled to God. When we pray peace for Jerusalem, we're praying for not just that there won't be a conflict there, we're praying for the people of that region, Jew, Arab, Gentile, to know Jesus. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The true peace of Jerusalem is in the Shalom. That doesn't mean we look at everybody else and say, you're wrong. It just means we pray for peace. It's not saying that at all. It's, I want everything that is good to be released on you from God. And I like the last bit. You can go in peace and remain free. When we gather... When Jesus walks in here or even in your bedroom when you're praying at home, when you grab hold by faith, you light the touch paper, know that peace is coming to you and to your family and to your community. And that peace is to remain and keep you free. Ryan was mentioning about getting entangled with things from the past. Look, last week we were lying on the floor letting go of them. And we'll do many other things, I'm sure, of letting go with them because we're letting go with them because we're taking hold of peace so that we can remain free. Do you remember that the, just even though it was a really busy week last week and even though we had something like 30 children in the room, there was Peace. Even when AJ got upset about something, somehow there was still peace. And then he calmed really quickly, didn't he? Peace. And if you're like me, you can feel the peace of God in this room right now. Why do we worry about stuff? So, that's it for this week.
I'll just leave you with one word of Peter and then Claire's going to come and talk to us um, about what's happening this week because it's our special week. But this is the word of Peter speaking. And he just says, this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. It's just what we've been talking about. There's grace. There's amazing grace. But you have to take hold of it by faith. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.